the enemy doesn't want us to achieve what God wants us to achieve. If you're getting married, it means presently you're not married. People have so many excuses for why they're sinning. Sin does not have the final say over our lives. Okay, we're live. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to TGIFJ. Thank God I follow Jesus with your host, Mike, and C. Joanne Martinez, pastor of Soren Diamonds. We want to encourage you, inspire you, and challenge you to deepen your walk with Christ to anchor your faith in the hope of our salvation. Last week, for the past two weeks, we've been talking about sin. What sin means, what it means to sin, what God thinks about sin, um, the results of sin. And today, I think we're going to hit it one more time. What is sin and the hope that we have over sin? Because hope, this, because sin does not have the final say over our lives. And that's because of the work on the cross. However, sometimes it feels like sin has the final say because we're so, we're being so boggled down with this world and bombarded with this world and with our flesh. But with all of that going on, do you think sin should be the focus of our life, not sinning? Do you think not sinning should be the focus of our lives? Absolutely not. Okay. But before we go there, okay. we're going to touch on a couple of points. But um, I like the thought of um, bringing that point of hope. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people do feel like it's easy for you to say, yeah. you don't know what I'm going through. So if you don't know what I'm going through, you can't say. But everybody is challenged where they are. One way or another. Yeah. And... A lot of times it has to do with the direction that you're going to keep you from the the goal. Because, you know, you know that saying, misery loves company. Yeah. The enemy doesn't want us to achieve what God wants us to achieve because he wants people to be like him. Because that would mean we're demolishing his kingdom exactly. and we're expanding the kingdom of heaven. So I can't wait in the conversation to get to that point. I know that we were like, what are we going to talk about? We said we were going to talk about sin. Yeah. What are we actually going to say? But I think that today the, the gist of it is going to be the hopeful part. The hope that we have over sin. Yes, the, the, the empowerment that we have, um, the tools that we have, you know, the fact that God knew, God knew that the challenge will come, yet he equipped us. Amen. So... It's gonna it's gonna be um a really great um show. We're we're planning not to be here a long time, but it's kinda hard. You start talking about the word and like the Holy Spirit starts pouring stuff and it's like let's get it. But I just wanted to real quick just um for those that haven't watched the previous one, sin um is to miss the mark to err. Um, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law. Um, and sin basically is, as James 4.17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and, and not, not do, do it. it. So basically, you know, that's what sin is. If we know that we should not be doing that. Do not participate. Yeah, that's what sin is. And a lot of times, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times people have so many excuses for why they're sinning. But the Bible doesn't say, do you or do you not have an excuse for sinning? It simply says that sin is, if you know you're not supposed to do it, but you're doing that very thing, it's sin. For you, that is sin. So it's really important that 
you know, we don't um, conflict or we don't jumble up our personal opinions, mm -hmm. our personal thoughts um, with what the word actually says, because we're living in a time when people are always saying things like, well, God knows my heart. We say this all the time. Unfortunately, or, he does. Yeah. People, you know, we say we've I think we've all found our a time when we have all said something like that. You know, God does, knows my heart. Or I don't have a choice. God knows that this is what I need to do. But the fact of the matter is that he says, if you know that that's sin, I mean, that that's wrong and you're doing it, that very thing that you are doing in spite of what your reasoning is, that's sin. Right. And he abhors sin. He abhors sin. But we want to go, you know, get right into it um, with a couple of points. Maybe you want to. Um, yeah. So. Right so you said we wanted to go into our hope over sin. Right. So we talked about certain things were sin. Unforgiveness was sin. We have to watch the words that we say because they're not aligning with the word of mm -hmm. God. That is sin. Gossiping, slandering one another, our brother or somebody else. That is sin. Fornication. Fornication. Straight up sin. Obviously. Um, adultery. Sin. Cheating on a spouse or cheating on God. Putting your reverence somewhere else beside God, that is sin. Um, disobedience, it is sin because he calls us to do something and then we don't do it. And the definition is knowing the wrong we ought to do and not doing it. And knowing the right we ought to do and not doing that right, that is sin. You're kind of like running through these. Um, but when you say fornication, what do you mean by that? The sexual immorality. So that will fall under sexual immorality, giving your body to somebody, somebody that is not your husband or your wife. That is sexual immorality. But how about if they're getting married? If you're getting married, it means presently you're not married. <laughs> so therefore, that also falls under fornication. And it doesn't matter what our feelings are saying. God is greater than our feelings. His word is greater than our feelings. And our job is to wield the word of God, wield the sword, which is the word of God. That is our weapon. That is our strength. It is our focus. It is the truth. So that's what we live by. We live by the truth of the word of God. We don't say things to to appease anyone. We don't say things to appease the culture. Whatever's happening around us, that's beside the point. So um, a lot of times, like, for example, within the schools, they began to do all of this, um, like the sexual classes, how to teach your kids how to do this and that and all this. But my thing was, I'm not going to teach my kid how to use a condom because I don't want them to be fornicating. I don't want them to be having sex out of wetlock. So I don't need to teach them that. Oh, but isn't it better if they're prepared? No, it's not better. I'm not going to prepare them to how to sin. That's not what I'm going to, I'm not going to prepare my kid how to sin. And so we know that sin begets sin, sin leads to death, sin grows if you allow it to stay there. And now what do they teach? They teach a whole bunch of other things that have to do with the sexual curriculum that has even nothing to do with like heterosexual sex is all of this other stuff. So before it was sex ed, which is like, let me teach this. But that's sin. According to the word of God, that's sin. 
but we as parents, did you allow your kids to partake in that? So now, now they stepped it up a notch. So it increases the sexual immorality. So my thing was, when my son was growing, no, he doesn't need to learn any of that stuff. Am I being unsafe? No, no. The safest he can be is abstinent. That is the safest. So that's all falls under that. So we're not going to say anything to please the culture. We're not even, we're not going to say anything that aligns ourselves with making somebody else feel better. We're going to live by the word of God. So if you're going to get married and you're not, flee from sexual morality. No matter what, do not give your bodies to anybody else. Give your bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Yeah, and, and um, I'm thinking of Romans chapter 2 where it says, do not conform to the ways of this world, to the patterns of this world, to the customs in the, of this world. And a lot of times, even in the body of Christ, instead of us teaching our children what the word of God says about them, mm-hmm. how they're worthy, how they, um, you know, have been called with a purpose, how they are called to be holy, yes, how God created them to be special and to have, you know, respect for themselves and respect for others that they are worthy to be waited for until they're married. Now you even find within, you know, the congregations where, you know, it's being taught that they're going to do this anyway. Yeah. Therefore they grow up already thinking this is what they should do. So I totally agree, you know, that we just need to teach our kids the standard. Yeah. Who they are, and because this is who you are, you live according to this. You don't come down. You let people come up to where you are. Right. And that's why it's so important to um, instruct our children in the ways of the Lord. And then there's this mindset that that's not attainable. And I know 100% that it is attainable. No, I'm not saying that I didn't. I attained that because I wasn't raised that way. But. You know what I'm saying? My mom used to, this was my mind's, my mom's concept they're gonna act up anyway so you might as well know what the deal is never once in my life did i hear oh you know that's not the way oh that is the way like you're gonna do that because that's the way we are and that's the way young people are period but that was what you know the the mindset was and no one could take somebody where they've never been or where they are not but now that we know the Lord, we have the opportunity to teach our children another way. And, and now that we're on that conversation on this topic, the word of God says, teach them the way, teach our children the way that they shall go and they will not depart from it. Right? That's right. So our job as parents, and maybe we spoke about this last week, maybe we didn't, but our job as parents is to teach our children the way they should go. That's right. And when we're born again, we become children of the living God. So now him as our parent, our father in heaven, as our parent, his job is to teach us the way that we should go. Therefore, we will not depart from his word. We'll be able to finish the race. So now let's think about this. If I teach my kids to protect themselves while having sex out of wetlock, how to protect yourself? This is what you take. This is what the girls take. This is what the boys do, right? So what I'm doing is lowering the standard right. that God has created for us. And so what I'm, uh, so now we expect God to do the same thing for us. As children of God, 
we don't participate in sin hoping that God lowers the standard. Because as the perfect teacher, as the perfect parent, he's going to teach us the way we should go. And here's the thing. It's not that the children will follow what you would say, but you still create the standard. So when I was living in sin, I knew what I should be doing. So I had a conviction, even if I wasn't submitted to Christ. So even, even though I was not born again, I still had the conviction of, of I, I know, I'm not sure why this is wrong, but I know this is wrong. So now, since you didn't lower the standard as I grew up, even though I was a hot mess, you was like, that's unacceptable. So it made it, so it, it helped me understand a standard of living that I should have, even though I was participating in this. And that's exactly what God does as well. God is not going to say, because we all grow at different times, I'm going to lower the standard for you right now. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to reveal to you the life that you should live. I'm going to teach you the way that you should go, which is, he's saying, it's me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to teach you the way that you should go. And now that I teach you the way that you should go, I'm expecting you to follow it because I'm giving you my spirit to be able to do that. And when you fall short, you repent. But you're going to fall short and know that it's unacceptable because I set the perfect standard. Yep, and, and it's interesting that you say that because there's this concept that because I'm human, I'm going to mess up anyway. Right. But Jesus was human, yet was without sin. Amen. Am I saying that we're perfect? Of course not. The Word of God says that if we claim to be perfect, we're liars. Boom. We just sin. But there is a standard, and anybody that has walked um, with the Lord long enough and has strived to live according to the Word of God and that's filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to mature you, to Amen. grow you, that, okay, that's wrong, therefore, I'm not going to do it. And you begin to speak as a person that has overcome that. Amen. But a lot of times what happens is that people, instead of, like today, I, you know, I had an experience that an individual kept saying, you know, but you're going to sin anyway, you know, so when you sin, no. Somebody that's struggling in that area, you don't capitalize on the negative because we do have a Lord. We do have a father that loves us and has given us a way out. And I'm going ahead of myself, but this thing really, really gets me fired up because what happened to looking at the way of the Lord? Amen. What happened to um, not conforming to the way of this world? We are the church. We are the light. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So our responsibility is to hold on to our heavenly father Amen. and to declare, to confess, to, to be determined that I'm going to live according to his way. Why? Because he promised to never leave me. He said he will guide me. He will lead me. He will be my light in darkness. So it doesn't matter what situation I get into. He's going to give me the way out. Yep. And we have to get to the place that we are confident and bold enough in Christ that we hold them to his word. His word says you receive not because you ask not. Do you want to live right? Then come before him and tell him so. That's that's the, the, the reason you're saying that. And that's so interesting because I don't think 
I've even asked, Lord, well, maybe I did, but I never thought of it like that. Lord, teach me how to live right. He said, you receive not because you ask not. That's right. So if we just go to our Heavenly Father and ask him, Lord, guide me in this. Guide me in, in bringing about your holiness, living about in your holiness. You have already clothed me in righteousness, but now I want to live a holy life as you have commanded. So guide me in this. And the, and the question is, is he faithful to guide you in those things? He's absolutely faithful. You know, I'm thinking a lot of times people don't talk about this, but I'm too transparent sometimes. Sometimes I'm a little bit off to the left or to the right. No, I'm going to say to the right. All right? Yeah. And I know that I should have. You only was in the word once a day. Like, that's not good enough. You here watching TV. Mm -hmm. You should have ministered to that person. And you over here on your phone. You didn't find it in you. Right? Whatever the situation is. Yep. But as soon as it happens, Holy Spirit reveals it to you right, right there. So you have one or two things to do. Give in to what you want to do or respond. And I've learned that the more you reject the conviction, the easier it becomes to not do what he says until you create a pocket in sin, in disobedience. So, God. So the key is, and I'm just, I'm just way Go, toward do, the front. Do you, do you. But the key is that when he convicts you, you respond. He convicts you, you respond. He convicts you, you respond. But what happens? That we get so used to not responding that it becomes easier not to even hear or to turn off our ear to his voice. And then he begins to tell us, the enemy begin, begins to tell us, oh, you know, it's okay. Mm, he begins to capitalize oh, on that. what? He starts like, yum, 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 yum. He starts eating like un comején. How you say comején in English? Those little animals that eat the wood. Termites. Like termites. Before you know it, a whole piece is gone and you don't even know what hit you. But it starts out with a tiny little bit at a time. And we have to, we have to practice to respond to him immediately. We all have the ability because he's not a liar. He said, if you call out to me, I will answer. Why is it that we fall in sin over and over and over again after he tells us that I will give you the way out? Because we begin to practice turning away, turning off the volume to his voice. Mm. And we have to, you know, as the body of Christ, and this is why fellowship is so, so important, but it's not just fellowship. We have to get around um, people that are going to call us to the carpet. Bro, you miss God. Amen. And, and let me tell you, it's not an easy thing because sometimes, you know, right in our family, we know when somebody's off, you can fake the funk all you want and you can act all you want, but the fruit is evident. And we have to get to the point that we love each other enough to call the person on it. Be mad. But the Spirit of God is going to convict you. You're going to realize, and then you're going to have to recognize and get yourself right. Amen. Like, that's what it is at the end of the day. But nowadays, we're so focused on ourselves. It's this social media thing. It could be positive, but it could be negative. Yeah. A lot of times we get so so wrapped up in all the great things I could say, all the great scriptures I can quote, 
all the great things I can say about, you saw that? All the great things that I can say about this, that, or the third. But but am I surrendered and submitting to the very things that are coming out of my mouth? Yeah. And I know this is this is a touchy subject. Because, you know, truth be told, y'all. We, we like our sin. That's just what I was going to say. It's good for a season. Sin is good sometimes. Straight up. I like to just chill. Come home from work after a long day of work. Let me get some food. Let me get some junk food. And let's just start. Chilling. Watching Relaxing. that TV. Yep. When we at work, everybody's chatting, talking. I can be taking some time for the word. And sometimes we just talking a, a bunch of nothing. And I'm like, wow. I just sit back and say, I, I just wasted 30 minutes doing a bunch of nothing. And then I... I let me let me let me get myself together. Let me get back on track. Feel me and let me do this. But we have to get to that point where we recognize, where we acknowledge, and where we respond to what the Lord says. Amen. Is it is it is it a walk in the park? Initially, it's not. Straight up. Initially, this walk is challenging. It's like I used to tell you guys. What was it that I used to tell you? Remember? The Christian's not for punks. Being a Christian is not for punks. Nah, this ain't for punks. A lot of people are like, oh, y'all Christians. Listen, you probably can't do it. That's why you're talking down. Right. Because it's easy to do what I want to do. It's easy to satisfy the flesh. But to say no to the flesh, that's a whole totally different beast. Okay, you? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I think you got, I think you hit uh, some really good points um, in that that little portion right there. Yeah, I just, I just, I just went there. It's all good. Number, bad, y'all. Let me pull it in. Number one, um, you talked about conviction and you talked about the voice of God. Those two things come in knowing the, knowing the truth of God's word. So not saying, okay, when I say you got to open up the Bible and read, yes, the more you know, obviously. But we know this, fornication is evil, right? So anytime you step toward fornication, the Lord is going to speak to you. How, does his, how his voice is going to sound? That little whispering that you hear in your head that says, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, that was the voice of God that you turned off. But you only know that fornication is bad because you knew the law of God. Mm, so the Bible makes it clear is you don't know the law of God. You don't know that it's sin until you know it's the law of God. So that's what the law created, an opportunity for sin. You see what I'm saying? Wow. So you said conviction. You had conviction because you knew what the Lord said. You, it was clear to you. So not knowing what the Lord says or staying away from what the Lord says, it gives you the ability to turn down his voice. So you made it clear that, okay, I only read the word of God one time. And for some, for right now, that may be good. But for you, in your season of life, that's unacceptable. And you know that he's trying to show you more than that. And to fall off is way more, is way easier. So not remaining in the word and not remaining in prayer, it's like a little freaking bug around here. Not remaining in the word and not remaining in prayer, it creates a breeding ground. For gnats. For, for gnats, for sin. <laughs> It creates a breeding ground for sin to rise up within you or to rise for the enemy to come and whisper in your ear like those little termites and begin to eat away at wood that you don't know yes. is being eaten away at. Why? Because you're not in the word and you're not in prayer. 
and we're entertaining the voice of the enemy. And you're entertaining. So those three things, not being in the word, not remaining in prayer, and entertaining the voice of the enemy and any medium, you're watching TV consistently. Right away, we know if it ain't pure flicks, it's going to have some stuff in there that should not be in there. So those little little nuggets of the of things that contradict the word it desensitizes us to the voice of Holy Spirit. So they so now we're we're being desensitized because it's, it becomes a breeding ground for the work of the enemy. For sin. For sin. For straight up. But now, so what do we do? We go back to the word. Now we go back to his presence. It's we pretty go, simple. It, it's super simple. What we need simple. to do is pretty simple. But because it's so simple, it causes us to fall away so easily because we want those other things. But, you know, I need to, I need to um, insert this right here. That for too long, um, the word of God has been delivered in a way that it makes you feel as though serving God has become so complicated. And it's really not. So complicated. But think about it. Like, we have children, right? Anybody that has a child knows that it's not complicated to love your child. Loving your child means that sometimes you have to say yes, sometimes you have to say no. That's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. And being a great parent means... I'm communicating with my child about everything because in communication is where we resolve matters, is where questions are answered, is where clarity comes, is where maturity happens, is where growth happens. Like in communication, so many things happen, but it has become a lot of times that communicating with God requires so many different things. And I just hope that the listener today grasp something really important, that communicating with your heavenly father so that you can live a life that's righteous by spending time in the word and spending time with him is simply having a communication just like we have with our children. Yep. Sometimes there's parents that do not have good communication with their children. But at any given time that you commit to Every single morning before they leave, we're going to talk. Throughout the day, we're going to talk. When they come home from work or from school or I get home, we're going to talk. Before they go to bed, I'm going to go in that room. I'm going to say, you know, I hope you have a good night. I'll be leaving before you. Um, have a great day tomorrow at school. How did the homework go, you know, at the end of the, the session? Was it fine? Whatever the conversation is. But you know that if you want to restore that relationship, you take more time to talk yep. with your child or your spouse or whomever. It's the same thing with the Lord. And a lot of times, does the conversation have to be one, two, three hours? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm probably not going to talk with Talia for two hours before she goes to bed when she's got school tomorrow. But if we have conversations throughout the day, we've talked. We've talked. Right. We've talked and we've been taught a lot that you have to be talking for, you know, in order for it to be prayed, it's got to be this long. You got to say this thing. It's got to look like this. You got to put your body like this, bro. You're doing too much. 
how I do with my heavenly father, what you do with your heavenly father. Like I could be sitting here. I could be on my way to work. I could be in the shower. I could be cooking. I could be at the job. I could be taking a walk. We need to find the time. Whatever time becomes available, use it. Whatever time we have, use it. Yep. Everything that you do throughout the day, present it to the Lord. When you have questions, present it to the Lord. Somebody irked you at work, Lord, you know, present it to the Lord. We just that have to you may practice. not sin, yep. Yes, we just have to practice. Because if we practice communicating with our Heavenly Father, is a less likely chance that we're going to sin. That we'll fall into sin. And we won't focus so much on not sinning if we're focused on communicating with our father. Let me um, read uh, a scripture that Carol Hargrove put here, fit for moms. She says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light. They are unable to see the glorious light. Our job is to remove the blinders by living a life that reveals our father in heaven. So they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. That is 2 Corinthians 4.4. And one one thing that, that popped out is that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes we think we can convince ourselves to believe that God is who he is. You cannot. I got news for you. You can't convince yourself of that. Mm-hmm. Because if you can be convinced by yourself, then somebody can come and unconvince you. That's good. Right? I'm not making that up. This is biblical. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Nobody believes in God until he reveals himself to them. That's just how it works. The father is giving those to the son. Like we're all called to know that God is alive, is true, is living. But we can only come to him when he draws us nearer to him. That's what the word that, says. That's if how it we works. lift up the name of Jesus, he will we'll draw men. all men. So our job is to lift them up that he may draw all men. This is why it's so important for us to get out and evangelize, to get out and share the word, to get out and tell every, everyone that we see that Jesus is alive. So in saying that, when we take our time to turn away from him, when we taking the time to not speak with him, to not, to not communicate with him, to instead he said, watch, read the word of God. Instead, you turn around and read TV, read TV, watch TV. You're, you're, you're taking time from him to do something else. The question is, can you be blinding yourself at that moment? Can you be giving the enemy space to come and cloud your judgment of what the Lord, of his glorious light, of what he wants to do? Why? Because clouding your mind doesn't look like an actual cloud. What becomes, what the clouding of the mind is, this is, I know that the, the Lord of God, the Lord God did this. He died. He rose. He set me free. But then I spent this time that he said, do this. I spent that time watching TV and they have a, a message anti that. So now I'm taking that in. I'm taking that in. I'm taking, I'm taking in messages constantly that negates the word of God, can my judgment be getting clouded by not spending the time he is calling me to, to him? 
And a lot of times, um, our judgment getting clouded um, is not as clear as we think it might be. And okay. what I mean is that a lot of times we could say, oh, my judgment isn't clouded because we've been um, submerging ourselves in that for so long that we can't even tell the difference. Right. So it's important that we step away. It's like I say all the time. If we're going to, you know, I say this all the time. If you watch two or three hours of a movie, you should be able to do the same thing with the word of God because now there's the balance is off. And then what happens is that everything becomes offensive and we begin to say, oh, no, that was fine. Oh, that wasn't nothing. But the reality of it is that whatever you give your focus to, that's where the power flows. Yeah. That's what where your eyes are. That's where your mindset is. And a lot of times we don't realize, but if, although in our minds we know what the word of God says, we know what we're supposed to do, so on and so forth, the fruit of it becomes evident. Yep. A lot of times people, you know, they really get offended when you say something and it, it kind of like hits them in the wrong place. Sure and right, a, right away they want to defend themselves. But the reality of it is that our fruit, fruit our fruit is evident. It's the, you don't is the evidence. Yeah, it is the evidence. Right. You don't have to say, oh, but I'm this or I'm that. I can see. Yeah. I can see. Are you walking in love? And the thing is that love, when we're walking in love, you don't pick and choose. And that's what we do a lot of times. Yeah, I love that one, that one, and that one, but I don't love this one, this one. No, it's either we're walking in love or we're not walking in love. We have to walk in love with our spouse, with our children, with our siblings, with our parents, with our bosses, with our coworkers, with the people we encounter. If there's somebody in that circle that we're not exuding love to, then we got caught up in the sauce and we're blinding ourselves by convincing ourselves that, oh, I did it with this one, that one, and that one, so let me forget about everything else. Not, and that is sin. So the enemy's good in that. Because we start blinding, we start blinding ourselves to the, what the truth is, to what the Lord is revealing, and that become and that why is that the work of the enemy? Because those are seeds planted by what the enemy is doing. So, so one thing you were saying earlier is you weren't responding to what the Lord was saying when He was saying it. A way, a, one way for us to stay out of sin is to respond immediately, immediately. to what God is saying. So, do you think? And I, I, I I'm gonna say yes. Do you think that the enemy is able is able to gauge because the enemy doesn't know what we're thinking? But do you think the enemy can gauge knowing that you're sinning? Can he gauge how the Lord is responding to your sin? Can the enemy know what you should be doing and then take advantage because he sees you not doing it? Yes, he's gonna take advantage. Not can he? He will take advantage. And two, we have to remember. That the enemy is older than all of us. So he knows what God's will is. Or he knows what God requires. Remember, he was with God in heaven. Yeah. So he knows the God of eternity. He knows what's pleasing to him. He knows what's not pleasing to him. So when we're outside of the will of the Father, the enemy knows. can smell it. He can smell it. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he's like ball game. Yes. So, and, and that. Not, us not responding gives the enemy a foothold to mm. what to to him coming in and attacking. 
100%. And we have to come to the realization, though, that Jesus died to restore our relationship back to the Father. Amen. What does that mean? That because Adam and Eve died because of their sin, now that separated us from our Heavenly Father. Yep. That made us sinners. That made us separated from God. And it's really important to know because a lot of times people think that because I do good, I'm not sinning. I'm not, you know, I'm okay with God. Mm. But the reality of it is, is that we have all been separated from God because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And now we must accept the finished work of Jesus on the cross to clean us of the sin of the disobedience that separated us from our heavenly father. Mm. And I think it's really important because first of all, our testimony needs to um, show people that there's a God that can change us. And we got to be a reflection of what it is to serve him. Yes. But we also have to have um, a level of understanding of sin so that we can effectively guide others to the Lord. So you, you, you're saying one thing you just said was we can, we can think that we're not sinning because we're doing something quote unquote good. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And one example that I would like to bring up of that is Saul of Tarsus. Mm -hmm. So Saul, uh, well, Saul renamed Paul explained, described himself in two different ways. Sinner of sinners and Pharisee of Pharisees. Mm. Like, how, like, how do you get both titles? <laughs> that sounds weird, right? But let's think about it. So Paul, who Saul, who was renamed Paul, he became extremely zealous for God when all of these people began to follow this man called Jesus. For who? He was zealous for who? For God. Mm, okay. Or his religious way. When he found out all of these people were professing that Jesus was God. Why? Because Jesus calling somebody God, a man especially, calling somebody God is, is a blasphemous thing. So anybody who commits blasphemy according to the law, they should be stoned to death. So they should be killed, right? So Saul, who was renamed Paul, goes to the, the leaders and say, yo, give me the ability to kill these people. Now, according to the religious law, according to the law of Moses, was Saul doing the right thing? He was. But according to everything that the book was explaining of who Jesus is, was Saul doing the right thing? He was a hot mess. So it reveals to us that it can look like we're doing the right thing until you know what actually God is saying. So there's a... There's a way for our, now the Lord teaches us to gauge what he is saying and what he is calling us to do through his Holy Spirit. Now, there was no way Saul can have the Holy Spirit, but he should have knew what, that who Jesus was through the text that he has read, that he has read, because Jesus made it clear. You're searching all the text, but I am actually the text. Uh, like the person you should be searching for is me, but you're not because you don't know my father. So Saul's like, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm top dog. I'm the religious one. I'm doing everything to honor God. He started killing the people of God and God comes to him, reveals his way. And he says, why are you persecuting me? 
Throws him right off his high horse. Throws him right off figuratively <laughs> and physically. Like, he throws him right off of his high horse. And, okay, we may be saying, but I'm not, I'm not killing people. I'm not persecuting people. But the principle remains that you can be doing something that does not bring glory to your father in heaven because all of everything that we should be doing, it should be bringing glory to your father in heaven and not to yourself. So sometimes we can be doing something that's quote unquote good because it makes us look good. Do you think God's pleased with that? No, absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, whatever we do is supposed to be to lead people to Christ, to point them back to our to our Lord at the end of the day. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So it's it's imperative that we are in the word so that we don't become big-headed Amen. and think, I got the answers, I know the way. Because the reality of it is that being obedient to the Lord is doing what he told you to do. Absolutely. Because I think we talked about this once. There's, sometime, there's the things that God tells us to do collectively that we're all commanded to do. And then, then there's the thing that the Lord instructed you, you to do, to do yep. specifically. So no matter what, at the end of the day, we have to seek to be be um, open and sensitive to the voice of our Heavenly Father. Yet we have to be in the Word because if you're not in the Word, just think about this. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, as believers, we say that we're believers, but we spend no time in the Word. You're right. You can't just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. You know, save me. Okay, that's fantastic. But how are you going to learn to obey if you do not know him? Sin is inevitable. And you're not going to be able to have a real change because you're not even going to know what he says if you don't know his word. If somebody's teaching you wrong, you won't know. If the enemy's speaking to you, you don't know. If you're being led by your own self that a majority of us do, we don't even know. I just heard somebody say the other day, oh no, well, they did that to me. The Lord knows I don't need to forgive that because what was done to them was wrong. Like what? What verse is that? So as believers, if we want to get to that place where we're walking in obedience, where we're walking in the righteousness that God called us to according to his Holy Spirit, then we have to be in his word. There's no way around it. And I know that it seems redundant, but if we're not in the word, then we can't have, we have, we have no excuse because we're telling you here now that the word of God is what's going to get you to a place of obedience. The word of God is what's going to get you to a place of confidence in him because through the word and spending time in prayer is where you're going to come to know who your father is. Amen. What he speaks, how he speaks, who he is, who you are. Until you spending time in the word, until you spending time in prayer, listen, it's not going to be a upwalk. That's just what it is at the end of the day. But go ahead and give um another one of the points that you wanted to make and we could start, you know, getting ready to wrap up. So whether whether we have sinned or lived a life of sin, 
God desires us to establish his kingdom. God desires to establish his kingdom through us. So whether we have sin or have lived a life of sin. So we're going to see a couple of these things when we go through a couple examples of people who have sinned in the word of God, but God still used them greatly because they turned their heart, which we, we can see with Saul. Saul was sinning because he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Although God told him, blasphemy shall be um, judged. So he thought he was doing the right thing. He had the desire to follow the, follow the father. He did. He did. So, so what did God do? God revealed himself to him. And what did Saul do? Saul turned around. He turned immediately. He repented. And then <clears throat> he, and then he began to serve God and very, um, he began to serve him like, uh, very zealously the same way he was persecuting the church because the Lord told him, the Lord told Ananias, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. If the Lord introduces any of us to him like that, the question is, will you say, oh, I'm calling you, Joanne. I'm going to show you how much you must suffer. Okay. Like, I'm like, what in the mm-hmm. world? Like, are we sure? So you probably will be like, no, no, that's not even right. God. That's not God. But, but Saul had to, had the desire to serve him. So God changed his name to Paul and he lived for him. Then we go on to Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute lived the life of sin. But the moment she had a chance to honor God, she goes, listen, I heard about your God and I, I don't want no beef. I don't want no sauce on him. <laughs> I don't want no so, sauce. so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to hide y'all. And, and then when, when they come asking for y'all, I'm like, y'all, I don't even know where they, they went. Not, they, 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 did, they didn't come through here, right? So they do that, they and now they did come through there, but they didn't. They were able to get away because yes. of what she has done. And now, although first of all, her name is Rahab the prostitute, so she lived a life of prostitution, which is obviously dishonorable to God. But now she's remembered as a person of faith because of what she has done, mm-hmm. right? So, so not oh, God is not like oh, she's just a prostitute, but she remembers that she knows. She knows. She got a conviction. She's like, yo. Mm-hmm. So now the Lord, now she's remembered because of what she has done. I'm sure there were many prostitutes back in the day, just like there is now. I'm sure there was many prostitutes and there were, she was just like, nah, I get a chance to honor God right now. This is what I'm going to do. And I have a chance to save my family. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to do this. Okay. Then we got King David, known as a man of, after God's own heart. However, However, he was a he had bloody hands and he he was a hot mess. Sometimes he did some he did some things that if anybody in the church was to do today, we'd be like, yo, throw that man to the wolves. He is not part of the squad. Like we all know if anybody, any Christian today would do anything even remotely similar to what King David has done. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yo, he would. We would be like, "This is ridiculous. This is absolutely. You never knew God. You never loved God. What did he do? He he seen a, a lady bathing, took her as his own. We're just gonna keep it PG. <laughs> took her as his own. She was married and said, "Yo, put that man in the front line so he could die." She has a baby, and now he knows he has sinned. Now it's brought before him through the prophet. How could you do this? What, what is even going on? You're going to lose, you're going to lose your kid. He goes fasting morning. Oh no, 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 Lord, no, Lord. Don't let this happen. The baby dies. He gets up. That's what it is. It was my fault. And what point can we make out of there? One thing is 
Number one, God's still faithful to use him even in his, in his sin. Not in his sin, after he repents and turns away. But number two, we have to understand that sometimes we want the, the benefit of the sin and still serve God and still turn to him and fast. He, he had a baby way outside of God's desire. That, that was, he was way outside of God's will there, way outside. And he still wanted the benefit of that thing. But the moment God took it away, he repented, he turned his heart toward him, and he went on the straight and narrow. And that's what we get. That's, that's a, this is um, a rule that we should have for our lives. We, we sinned, we messed up, turn away, repent, and go after what God is saying. We have Moses. Moses killed somebody thinking he was doing the will of God. He murdered. And he hit him. And he hit him. So he, he knew he was He wrong. thought he was going to get away with it, too. And then it, became, it came all in the public. And he ran away. And did God use him? So the, the point of, the point, and there's probably everyone in the Bible at some point that was a hot mess. Jonah. A hot mess. Samson, Adam and Eve. I mean, the 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 line, the the list goes on. Even look at on. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was like, go and ask if this is the man. Like, you're the one who baptized him. He's your cousin. You've already known he was the man. But then you're doubting him at the end because things are getting rough or how because of whatever. So everybody in, in the word of God has fallen short at some place or another. Yo, um, Fifth of Mom said, nah. He's not part of the squad. Exactly. He ain't part of the squad. We never claiming nobody like that. We're going to be like, yo, he shot out. He bugging. Yeah, Throw that done. man to the wolves. He yeah, out of here. I'm going to tell you right now, Soaring Diamonds, we're done. Yeah, we, we done. We, you bugging. We done. You, we done. <laughs> but the, the, we named this in the beginning, the hope we have over sin. So 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness that is that is a winning scripture some? to anybody wait it says some no nah, i don't see that word oh okay oh all 100 percent. those throw them into the depths of the sea and for those sins to come back it means we have to dive into the depths of that sea begin to pull them out be talking about like yo you remember when you remember when this is i know i struggle with this i know i struggle he's like no i saved you from that we don't got to worry about that no more I've already saved you from that. Basically, everyone he uses has a past, and he still uses them. He can use us. He will use us. And that is the beauty of the word of God. That Fit for Mom said that. The beauty of the word of God is no matter how we have fallen short, whether we lived a life of sin or turned our face away and backslidden, our job is to come back to our Father while today is still today. Come back to him and allow him to cleanse us. Allow him to refresh in us. Because know this, sin is not the folk, not sinning is not the focus of our lives. However, sin is still detestable in the eyes of our father. So the, I think the, the big dilemma is if I focus on not sinning, then I will please God. But in actuality, he's saying if, if you focus on me, then you'll be able to please me. 
if you believe in me, what do we believe? We believe that he destroyed all of the enemy's works, all of the works of Satan, all the devil's works. He crushed his head. He demolished him. And if we believe that and now live according to his word, we will please him. It's like if I go to a football game and, and um, teach, teach the boys, don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, don't lose. I'm not teaching them to win. I'm teaching them how to not lose, which is totally two different things. One is going to be tearing them down. One is going to be building them up. So if I go in there and teach them how to win, our focus is how to win. Our focus is not to not be a loser. I'm saying, you guys, I'm going to teach you guys how to win this game. They're going to focus on the positive things. They're not going to be focused on not missing a tackle. They're going to be focused on how to properly make a tackle, which, which changes the game and our perception on how we do things. And, and I think that it's really important. This is an important conversation. And then it's an important way or a, a strategic way to close because I think that that's one of the biggest challenges. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Amen. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen. I think a lot of times we don't know or don't get what this script, what this verse means. We've all been tempted. We all have been tempted. There is no temptation that has overtaken us that it is not common to humans, to mankind. Whatever you're going through, somebody has gone through the same thing. But the word says that God is faithful. God is faithful. What does that mean? He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Let me translate. If you are going through this, the only reason you're going through this is because you can overcome. Because God will not give you more than you can handle. So if you're going through it, we have to stop the woe is me. You don't understand. This is so hard. You know, is it difficult? Yes, but God is faithful. Turn to the Lord. Begin to speak the word of God Amen. to yourself. And this is why being in the word is so important. Because when temptation comes, if you know the word of God, you begin to speak your. Speak yourself out of that situation. It says, when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure. Amen. You can endure. You can get out of this without sinning. Yet, we have to be able to access the tools that he has given us so that we can have success in this battle. The word of God tells us we must keep on the armor of God. Why? Because the enemy comes, he attacks our mind. He attacks our hearts. And what do we do? We're supposed to put on the shield of faith so that when the attacks come, boom. But if they get past that shield of faith, when they hit us, guess what? We got the breastplate on. Boom. Them things are going right off. It's, does it mean that they're not going to get to us? Probably, but they're not going to hurt us. So it's important. God already knew 
that we were gonna be tempted. He knew what was gonna happen. Absolutely. That's why he said, "Yo, get your gear on. If you go swimming, you make sure you got your little swimsuit on. Look at all cute. You got your towel. You got your suntan lotion. You got your um your hat if that's what you rock with. You got your goggles. Blah 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 blah. We have a way to be dressed in this kingdom. Yep. And if we remain dressed and carrying our armor." And the tools that he gave us, we're going to be able to surpass this battle. But why is it you think that we fall sometimes? Because we're not living according to the spirit. Mm. We're living according to the flesh. And here's here's what when he says we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear, that there's no temptation that we're going to suffer. That's not common to man. What it's talking about there is that the, the temptation it comes against the human flesh. Yes it, yes, it comes against what's belonging to man. Michael, what do you mean? When we, be, when we come alive in Christ, remember when you were baptized? You died to the flesh. And now you're alive in Christ. In Christ. We put away the things of the flesh to please the spirit. We don't live to gratify the flesh, but we live to please the spirit. So the temptation comes and it, it, it's able to take hold when we're living to please ourselves. But when we're not living to please ourselves and we're living according to the spirit of God, temptation has no place to hold mm. you. Mm-mm. So the temptation doesn't come against the spirit that's within you. Temptation comes against you and your desire to do those things. How do we put to death those things? You submit and surrender to God. How do you submit and surrender to God? You get in his word, you get in prayer, which goes right back to the beginning of what we spoke about. If we, which was temptation came to you and you began to fall when you stopped reading the word, when you ended your prayers a little earlier than what you usually did. So now that we, we were creating a breeding ground for our flesh to rise up. But if I don't create a breeding ground for our flesh to rise, for my flesh to rise up and I remain living to please the spirit. In other words, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, how can I please you? Lord, how am I going to bring glory to your name today? Lord, this is bothering me. Take this away from me. Lord, I'm falling here. Lift me up. Re-energize me. Give me wings that I can fly on. The Lord is faithful to do everything that he said he will do, which is... If you submit to him, he's going to lift you up. So if we remain submitted to him, we're not going to fall to the temptation. Why? Because we're living to please God. The moment you start living to please yourself, you're giving the enemy something to hold on to. But the moment you allow that your flesh to remain in the water, when you died to your flesh and you died to yourself, remember when Jesus said, for those who come after me must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. When you begin to take up your cross, when you begin to obey, let me simplify it. When we begin to obey what he is saying, we're living to please the spirit. And when we're living to please the spirit, temptation has no place to attach to us. He has no foothold. He has no ground. And we don't entertain it. Why? Because I'm already living to please the father who has sent me. Um, basically, just, just to simplify it even a little bit more, 
where our focus goes. I said this earlier, the power flows. Amen. If we're living to please the Lord, we apply the word of God to our lives and we concentrate on just doing what he has called us to do. All that other stuff is not relevant. But a lot of times we're taught to focus on that so much that we can't even see this. We're, we're, we're focused on how to not gratify the flesh instead of focusing on how to please the spirit. And what you focus on. That's where you're going to. That's like, where all your attention. Yeah, that's where goes. Where that's and where the if your attention is. is going there, that's where your power is going. It's like you get up in the morning and you declare, you confess, you get up, you, you know, you do what you're going to do. You get your breakfast, you get real cute, whatever you decide today, I'm going to have a great day. You leave your house with that attitude. That's the day you're going to, that's the kind of day you're going to have. A lot of times something wrong happens in the morning. And instead of us saying, okay, pull yourself together, just relax. It's not the end of the world. Just Deal with that at that moment. Now keep it trucking Amen. and let it go. You're going to have a great day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't believe this. The coffee spilled all over me. Now my shirt. I'm going to be late. All that stuff is not going to undo any of the things that just happened. Let it go. All right. This day happened. That was but. But guess what? This doesn't have to determine the rest of my day. Put on my new right. shirt. Call the job, bro. I'm running a few minutes behind, and that's that. And it's the same thing in the things of the spirit. Okay, the enemy is is attacking me. Okay, Lord, what does your word say? I can do all things through you that gives me the strength. Yep. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance. It must Finish his work so that you may become mature and complete yep. and that you lack nothing. So whatever you're going through, guess what? This is going to make me better. We don't sit there, oh, woe is me. No, okay. I've been through other negative things in my life and it was not the end of the world. So guess what? I'm going to get through this. It's like they say in Spanish, no hay un mal que sin año. There's nothing bad that happens that's going to last forever. So don't act like it's the end of the world because... It is not the end of the world. Yes. And death and the power of the tongue. There's power. There's power of life and death in the tongue. Yeah. Right. So if you if you speak, uh, after you spill coffee and you share, oh man, it's going to ruin my day. Guess what's going to happen? It's, it's going to ruin your day. You got to speak life into every situation. That's Proverbs 18, 21. Let me read um, a couple of things that Fit for Moms put here. Um, he loves to use those that are filthy to use those that were at their worst to use those that knew it could have been no one or nothing else but god that pulled them out in these circumstances we can only give god the glory amen um put on the full armor of god so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of, of the, enemy. the enemy the devil does have a strategy um and the last one is this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Amen. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Listen, you and I, you and I, we are new creations if we gave our lives to Christ, if we acknowledge that we were sinners. So guess what? The old has passed. 
And now we need to begin to live out of that newness in him. Amen. Hear what I'm saying. Whatever was, that was yesterday. Tomorrow's not promised. What you have is today. He says that today you are a new creation. When the enemy comes to tell you the lies from the past, just shut his mouth and remind him who you are. But we have to begin to apply the word of God to our lives so that sin no longer rules. I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is faithful and the work that he has begun, he will complete it. Yep. But if, if I say nothing else, we have to go to the word of God and we have to ask him, reveal your word to me so that when we read it, they're not just words, but they um, come in agreement with our spirit. Because a lot of times we read things, but we don't believe them. Yeah. So it's important that, you know, we pray, Holy Spirit, reveal your word to me. Let your truth, the truth of your word be known to me. Let it set me free. Because exactly the truth that you know will set you free. There could be a lot of truths, but if it hasn't been revealed to you, it's just words. Amen. And I'm pretty much done. So we went over some, I think some pretty great points that helped us understand that assisted us in understanding that we have the power over sin because Jesus has already broken the power to sin. So anything that comes into our life that's tempting us to stray away from God, we have to submit to our father in heaven and flee from the sin, just as God instructed Cain and um, Cain to do when when he was about to kill, before he killed his brother. He said, sin is there. It's crouching at your door. Will I not accept you? Just do what is right. And so what is, what is our doing what is right? Submitting to the, to, to the Lord, believing on the one the Father has sent. And then he is, gonna, he is faithful. Is he not faithful to, to instruct us and to lead us? Second Peter 2.9, it says, If all this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the, the godly from the trials and to hold the unrighteous for the punishment on the day of judgment. He knows how to protect us. He knows how to hold us. And he will never put anybody who calls on his name, he will never put them to shame. He got our back. Our father in heaven, he got our back. So our job is not to focus on not sinning. Our job is to focus on allowing the Lord to sanctify us. In other words, allowing, us, allowing the Lord to separate us. And how does that happen? When we begin to respond back to what you were saying in the very beginning, respond to what he is calling us to do. When we fall short, when he's leading us further, when we're going downhill, uphill, no matter where we're going, responding to what he's saying, allowing, allowing him to lead and guide each and every one of your steps. The more we allow him to do that, the better we're able to serve him. Again, our job is to serve him. Our job is to serve the one who has set us free. You, you got something to say real quick? You, yeah. You're looking like... Yeah, I just want to um, add this scripture. It's 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, run. Run. Flee 
away from your lust, your youthful lust. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those believers who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. So the word is clear that we're supposed to run. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to flee from sin. And, and if the word of God tells us to run or to flee from sin, we should really adhere to that. Yeah. When sin is crouching at the door, like it happened to Cain, run. Yeah. Run. Not entertain it. Not I can handle it. Not it's no big deal. Not it's okay. But run. You must rule over it. So that, that I, I'm done with that. Like that. Second Timothy 2.22. Flee, bro. So sin does not have the power. Sin does not have the last say. We have been given authority to trample on stinks and scorpions. And, and we, he doesn't even want us to be focused on not sinning. He wants us to focus on expanding his kingdom. Because yeah. that's what Jesus did. Jesus was our teacher. We are not to be greater than our teacher, but it's enough for us to be like our teacher, our master. Amen. And Jesus is our teacher. And he lived to please the Father. So in other words, us, us just listening and being obedient to what he is saying, that is pleasing to him. It reveals our love for him. So we just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to TGIFJ. Thank God I follow Jesus. I am Mike, and this is C. Joanne Martinez, pastor of Soaring Diamonds. We are here every week, multiple times a week, to encourage you, inspire you, and challenge you to deepen your walk with Christ and anchor your faith in the hope of our salvation. We pray that you guys are inspired and encouraged by every word that we bring today, tomorrow, next week. Remember, there's always something going up on our social media, um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. There's always something going up to challenge you to deepen your walk with him, to, to challenge yourself to say, hey, am I honoring? Am I honoring my father? Is this what I'm doing, honoring him? So this is what we're always doing. The Lord always reveals something to us. And when he's revealing it to us, we, we get our lives on track. And then we ask you, hey, this is what he's saying to me. What about you? How can this help you? How can, how can this bring you closer to Christ? So that's what we're here for. So if this encouraged you anyway, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this episode. And so until next time, have a blessed week. Peace.